podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Scarlet Supporters Pembrokeshire Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Westerer is Besterer podcast from Scarlet Supporters Pembrokeshire. Joining me, Lee G, as always, is Big M. How are we, Matt? I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you? Yes, I'm very good. I'm very good. Big news this week. Big news. Martin did his, his, his first interview all on his own this week. Oh, uh, yes, yes. I, I popped <laughs> my interview cherry, as, as I'd say. And... Uh, <laughs> It was a very daunting challenge, I, I will say yeah. that at the least. Well, scary guy to interview, isn't he? Scary guy to interview. Oh, no. <laughs> he, he's, he's like just 9 foot 12, 300 score. No, he's a beast, man. <laughs> well, you, you'll be hearing from Martin when he interviews uh, Alid. Um, Alid Waters, our Pembrokeshire man of, of every position and every coaching uh, position seems to have a connection with with Alid at the minute, but um, yeah, we'll we'll have a little listen to that later. Um, but Martin survived. <laughs> Martin got through it. <laughs> Still alive. Still alive. So um, yeah, let's let's crack on with some rugby then, and uh, let's let's talk about the the Scarlets game against Munster last Friday night. Um, what what did you feel before the game? Let's start with that one. What, what what were the expectations going into that game? Anyone who listened to the pod last week will know I was extremely optimistic. You know, I was I was bouncing. I I was expecting us to win that game and win it well. Mm. So you know what ended up being a tale of two halves. It was a really good watch and a really bad watch at the same time. Mm. You, you know, just. Yeah. Seeing how far our defence has come over the last few months to watch that first half and you go in, okay, five tries is, is terrible. You know, a- anyone concedes five tries in the first half, they should probably be taken out back and, you know, shotgun to the back of the head. Mm. But um, you, you watch it back and you go, okay, you've got that knock on try, which they somehow give, which I'll never understand. And, and didn't even review, didn't even take a look at it and go, did I miss something there? Wait. Everybody else in the stadium stopped, including the scrum half that knocked it on. Everybody else stopped and went, that's a knock on. Everybody apart from the referee. It's like I, I you could hear him just after the conversion was kicked saying into the mic, it's not clear and obvious. You know, and I don't know if that was the TMO to the ref or the ref to the TMO, but mm. they just didn't get looked at. You know, and reviewing the tries, you know, there were three very, very soft tries that, you know, we shouldn't have been conceding. Mm. And, you know, you take that, okay, I, I know it's fantasy world because everyone gives a soft try here and there. But, you know, you, you take that knock-on try in the first half, you take one of the uh, one of the soft tries out of it. Yes, it's 21-7, but it's still a game at that point. Yeah. But, and I, I know the end result. It was a game. It was a hell of a game. Uh, yeah. I, I, I want to know what happened in that changing room. I really want to know because something switched. Though it, it, it just felt as though that game we didn't we did turn up, but it was as though we didn't expect what they were going to throw at us. Yeah. And so we came in thinking, yeah, we we beat the Bulls. 
we're on top form. We we threw six tries in over Edinburgh. We're gonna do this. And then the standard that they came out at was like, okay, we we've underestimated this a little bit. Mm. I think you could see it from the first couple of plays where in the Bulls and Edinburgh and all the other games, you know, defensively we've been our our line speed has been quite fast and we've been taking them on the gain line or behind the gain line and they haven't been gaining yards and Munster were beyond the gain line and gaining yards right right from that first you know those first two or three phases and we just never got close to that ball we did not look like disrupting any of their rucks any we didn't disrupt anything defensively it was a strong defense yeah because the you know they weren't breaking us on first and second phase they were breaking us on eighth and ninth phase whereas you look back at even at the start of the season we were being broken on third fourth fifth so you know we were holding out a lot better but they were just creeping forward and creeping forward and creeping forward and gaining momentum and for me the difference between the two halves was actually in the second half we just hit them harder you know they they weren't gaining anything off contact wherever that contact line was they weren't then coming forward so the momentum was going back the other way and it started to swing and you could kind of see it in their faces where they were still trying to play the game they were in the first you know in the first half Munster were superb because every pass stuck I think they had two handling errors in the entire first half you know and they they were just on fire that first half, but we we never really gave them any anything to to go back at. In the second half, I thought we were outstanding. I really did. Defense and attack, everything just kind of clicked, and we rattled them. We really really rattled them. But so the 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 bit that annoyed me was Sam Lousy's, um penalty that led to one of their tries, where. He, he was he was called for not releasing the player on the floor, and Lousy Lousy's six foot six. That guy's five foot ten. He had him around the chest and he lifted him off the floor. The guy was bending his knee trying to sink to the floor, and Lousy just had him in a bear hug, and he was going and he asked the referee. He said, "Can you review that?" Because he was nowhere near the floor, and he just went no penalty corner line out rock try and so it's frustrating but so much I think we reacted to it better than we did at the start this if, if that was the start of the season we would have been giving away reds and yellows and we'd have been putting ourselves under pressure and we we didn't we stood and fought and that was a difference for me yeah if that was the start of the season that would have been a record scoreline yeah no yeah. no doubt whatsoever hmm. but you know Let's look at the look at the positives. We put six scores on Munster mm. in Limerick. Mm. Now I know we've put six scores on Munster before, <laughs> but you know that that was in Pro Twelve final. Yeah, yeah. And that was that was one of one of the best you know attacking performances we've had. And I'll be honest, this one wasn't too far off that because we left a few tries out there. I mean, I think it was something like seventy two, seventy three minutes, but. 
Johnny Williams made that break, and instead of giving the soft ball to Sean Evans next to him, he put it over into Witchley's hand. Yeah, you know, uh, I I think that was personally I think that was down to match fitness. You know, his first game back. I think if that's two three games in, he gives that short pass, and you know we've we've got five six minutes to to get that final score. So mm. we know that we left more points out there as well as scoring six tries. And realistically, we had, what, two, maybe three attacks in the first half. So we're talking six tries over 40 minutes of rugby. That That's incredible. Yeah. And and it shows, you know, we, we were talking last week about we needed a test to see where we were, you know, to see how far we've come from the start of the season. And um, I think that kind of told us. Certainly the second half showed us where we can be. I think the first half showed us that we, we've still got some work to do in certain places, uh, just in terms of uh, decision-making, I think, is is part of it. And, you know, in the second half, we stood and fought, and we didn't in the first half. We, we, we tackled, and we tackled hard, and we went through the motions of defence, but there was a lack of aggression in that first half, and when you're dealing with teams at the top of the table, that's what happens. If if, if you're not going to match them toe-to-toe, then they're going to put six tries on you. And in the second half, Munster didn't, Munster didn't have an answer to our attack. And, and that's what happened to them. So I, I was quite pleased in the sense of, you know, was that a test for us? Yes, it was. It was a really good test. Um, I, I, yeah, I thought we should have probably won that with a couple of iffy decisions and even with the iffy decisions we still should have pulled the draw out in that last minute what Sebastian was thinking in in that last ruck um, I I started that game right and and I was in a really good mood and then by about 15-20 minutes in I was like, oh, so I was checking Twitter and and the dogs were having a cuddle and all sorts of stuff. With five minutes to go, the wife and the daughter were watching television upstairs because they couldn't take me shouting anymore. The dogs were hiding behind the sofa. <laughs> I just I couldn't I couldn't take it. It was I was I was literally screaming at the television and looking around for somebody to agree with me. <laughs> it was nobody <laughs> there. You know? So you know, but that's that's the kind of game you, as a fan, as a supporter, that's what you want. You know, you you want to see those kind of games, don't you? You know. Yeah, it's like um, one of the scarlet scoops I'm in, and obviously constantly messing. Oh, what they, you know, oh, we're losing by year. Oh, another score, another heavy score. There's me at half time. Be optimistic. It's our turn to attack in the second half. And I was like, yes, yes, we did. I was so happy when, you know, that came back, you know, and uh, someone paused at the end of the game. Oh, well, you were saying after I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I was being positive. You know? I was saying we can still do this. Yeah. And thank God we did. So I would have looked the right tool. <laughs> well, I did say to someone at halftime, I said, you know, we have come back from deficits like this in the past. And I have no evidence of that at all. <laughs> it was more kind of blind optimism than it was, you know, have we come back from a 30-odd point deficit in the past? But, yeah, it was it was certainly a game that I can't say it's going to live in the memory because there was so much happened in that game. There were, was it 13 tries in that game? And I can 13, I can't remember. 
hardly any of them like you know there was too much to remember but um yeah it was certainly a a game that i think everybody i've spoken to that has watched that game whether they were a supporter or not everyone that watched that game enjoyed that game it was a really really good game to watch but so who who were your players to to pick out from that game then who did you who did you like who did we like? Who, who did I like? I mean, the obvious one everyone's going to say is Johnny Williams because you know, he, his first game back, he put in a hell of a performance. Mm. But for me, he, you know, Sam Cassell was the standout for me in that game. Mm. His, his kicking accuracy, goal kicking was 100% superb. I mean, the, just the first he put in was touchline and it didn't stop. His tackling, his work as a defensive 10 is unbelievable. He is the best defensive Welsh 10 mm. at the minute. You know, he tackles everything. He hits them hard. He doesn't, okay, some of the bigger boys come at him. He might go back a yard or two, but he doesn't go back far. Mm. And I, do you know what? I, he's still, he's, I quite like him to stay out the way, though. <laughs> That's how outside halves get injured. And get kind of put out of it because I'd quite like him to go. I'm just going to leave the big boys to to the back row. I'm going to leave the back row, tackle all these big boys, and I'm gonna I'm gonna sit over here and do my hair and makeup. And when they give me the ball, I'll be in a really good position to run forward. That's that's what I want from him. He he gives me heart attack every time he goes in for a tackle. Honestly, he does. Oh, but his technique is brilliant. Fair yeah. play to the boys. Yeah. Constantly low. Head is always in the right position. That's the one you've got to look out for yeah. Yeah. more than anything else. <laughs> uh, and and the fact of the matter is, he, once he, we managed to get that ball, he, he orchestrated a lot of that attack. And mm. it, it was just so lovely to watch. I mean, if Dan Jones or even Reese Patchell was in that shirt in that game, you know, okay, I, I don't think Dan Jones is quite as capable in hacking sense, kicking definitely. But, you know, Patchell's head would have dropped before half-time and we would never have had a chance. Mm. And I think you know, we were talking at the start of the season when Patchell was out injured and Costello was thrown in and we said, you know, this is the season that he really needs to to break through. He really needs to make that shirt his own. And you've got to be fair to the guy, he absolutely has, you know. Uh, he, yeah. Other than the yellow cards and both well, his first yellow card, yeah, fair enough. Uh, um, you can accept that. His second yellow card, where the one in the air, oh, if he at best, you know, ninety nine percent of those wouldn't get given. So you know, even from that point of view, he's he's had a cracking season, like you know. So yeah, I thought Johnny Williams. I think Johnny Williams is top of the meters made. Um, I'm not sure if it's round 15 or for uh, for um, the USC as a whole this season, but he's definitely rocketed right up the up the charts. Um, and the guy was just he was rock solid, you know. And when you've got Costello inside him, and then you've got Johnny Williams, you know, you, you're starting to build. A strong backline. You then you then throw in um, Joe Roberts outside him, and you're starting to think, well, hang on, that's that's three really really strong players there. Um, so um, what's his name? Yoan Nicholas moving to fullback, 
and he came top of defenders beating and offloads, you know. So you start to look at it and you go, actually, there's, there's quite a, a settled kind of defensive line there. Then you've got Eddie James ready to come through uh, as well, you know, so you've got cover in that back line. So, yeah, that from a from a long-term point of view, that's looking really good, you know. Um, i tell you what I was going to ask you. Combia, where has he disappeared to again? Oh, uh, they said he was unavailable. I can't remember if they said he was injured or if he picked up a knock or another illness. But uh, it, hopefully it's just a one-off. Um, I, th- oh, I think I saw on the Scarlet's website that him and Kieran Hardy were doing some commercial stuff, taking photos this week. So right. I, I, it must be just, just a minor injury because I, I didn't look as though, I looked at him and thinking, where's the strap in? Where's, where's, you know, where's the protective gear? And I couldn't see anything. So hopefully it's just a minor niggle, maybe, you know, a strain or something like that. Well, when you, when you add him into the back line and then you look at it and you go, actually... That's that's quite a young backline, you know. Dane Blacker at nine. That's that's a young backline that's going to take us forward for quite a few seasons now. Yeah, there's no doubt about that, and there there is a fair bit of talent coming in behind as well. I mean, we we've talked about the the scrum half situation. Uh, we know there's a, a good few young tens coming through. And you know we took, we've seen Eddie James what he can do already, and he's literally had what fifteen twenty minutes. Mm. And we've also got Callum Williams, who's going to be due back any time now from that pretty horrific injury he had on the Wales Sevens tour. Mm. And you know if if you're getting picked for Wales Sevens when you're a winger, then you know you're gonna have a bit of pace out you. Mm. So it's going to be good to see what he can do as a as a in a in the fifteens game. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, anybody else that that stood out for you? Anybody in the forwards that stood out for you as well? Matthias has been constantly standing out for me. I mm. uh, I mean, that boy is brilliant. As as a Luke said, for what he's like 23, 24 years old, and he's very much in the modern day prop mould. He's very he's the best and strong he's not that you know I, I don't like saying this but he's not that more or ten sort of player like like Sebastian <laughs> is he's more bulk muscle than he is just size yeah and what I've been seeing more from him is his carrying is becoming stronger and stronger which mm. you know it, it's only beneficial and it's something you need now if you want to play at the top end of the table you need your props to be big carriers and work in the defence. I know they were he was, you know, a little bit guilty for following the nine for one of their tries. But at the same time, he, he's still a kid as as in terms of a prop. And you know, as much as I hate losing boys to Team Wales, I can't imagine it being too much longer. It's especially knowing when Jones and Gareth Thomas are they're not going to be around for the next World Cup cycle. Yeah. So they they're gonna have to start bringing through the next set of props and you know without with just Reese Carey as the only really cat loose head that's in that sort of age range at the minute, 
I, I can only see it as, you know, a logical step for Matthias to be taken up next. Mm. I hope it's not for a while because mm. he is just outstanding for us. But and then, know, he, he's a player. But then in the front row as well, you've got Harry O'Connor that's, you know, got to be starting to push through. Certainly next season, you'd expect Harry O'Connor to be, you know, sharing some of the front row duties with some of the older boys as well and just kind of putting his hand up. So I think when you when you look at the team that we're we're building, it's there is a, a fair bit of youth coming through and then you've got the likes of Fafita and Lousy. Um obviously at this season we've got Callum Afoni. But you know there's there's green shoots of of something coming through, isn't there? There's lots of I, I tell you who's good with Sean Evans again. At, Hooker, I mean, for me, I absolutely, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't rate him at the start of the season, I'll be honest. I didn't think that he was going to make it through the season. I mean, wow, what a turnaround. The, the guy's outstanding. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always an issue when you convert from a flank guy into a front row forward. And, you know, him coming as an open side into a hooker, Oh, they are there are very similar positions in certain things, but you know you're talking in terms of scrummaging. He's a very small hooker, but what he has started to offer, like he's always offered this, but what he started to offer alongside that sort of scrummaging prowess now is his jackling, and he's always been one to disturb rucks, and okay, he might not get as many turnovers, but he turns a two-second ruck into a four-second ruck. Yeah. And you know, that, that sort of work is... Mm. is you, you can't compare it to anything because, you know, giving yourself you know, two seconds is massive in terms of reorganising your defence. Yeah. I know if he's doing that every three or four phases, then you're worth your weight in gold. And mm. I think we're, we're going to continue. I think the concern is second rows. Who's going to come through and re- realistically we're not going to hold on to Fafita and Lousy for a long term. You know, we're just not going to be able to afford both of them or potentially either of them for the long term. Not unless somebody finds a pot of gold buried under um, Parker Scarlet's. Yeah. So who were we developing to bring through to replace them? That's the, I, I think that's the only area at the minute. I think back row, we got covered. Front row, I think we got covered. But those two are so influential about the way we play. A bit like um, uh, Tad Byrne and um, the Scottish guy played number eight. Um, Barkley. Barkley, yeah. Uh, those two and Cubby... We basically built our game around, you know, what they did in rucks, and our game right now is is built around what those two do. So, what happens when they go? That's that's my only concern about our future now, really. Yeah, well, I, I see Fafita as a, a blindside moving forward. I, I think, look, he's a brilliant player, but when you put him and Sam Lousy in 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 the boiler room, 
it's quite a lightweight second row pairing. Mm. Uh, so, you know, there's not quite as much stock and power in the scrum. Mm. So, you know, I Fafita is going to be playing six. I can see him playing a lot more six than he I can only imagine him going into second row for emergencies from next season. Much better every week on week, which is mm. brilliant. Uh, I think Jack Price has had a lot of little niggles this season, which is probably why we haven't seen as much of him. Mm-hmm. He's another one that's, you know, he's a year younger than Morgan Jones, and he is one to keep an eye out for when he finally gets that, mm-hmm. that, that run in the team. And then I think behind them, we've got Caleb Salmon, a boy you know, mm-hmm. who is a you know, lock six type of player. And from what I'm hearing, we are looking to sign um and well another second row, uh, a foreign second row. So I'm expecting a big bulky player by there. And I'm also hearing rumors that we are picking up Johnny Green off of Harlequins from the Wales twenties. Cool. Well that'll be a it, it, it certainly kind of gives a bit of reassurance for what's happening in that in that second row because I say that's when when you look at what we've got there you know you've got Tupelo 2 covering the back row you've got Josh McLeod you've got Dan Davis who's just on fire at the minute um, you know we're, we're, we're starting to build a strong squad and it, it, yeah that, that second row kind of place is the only place that they, you look at and you go yeah if if we lose those two we are just so reliant on on what they do, I, and particularly, and I think the bit that we people just haven't really picked up on at the minute, for Fita in the line out, yeah, on opposition line out, um, he does just seem to. It's either disrupted or it's um, stolen or. Uh, so you, you know they they're not even getting comfortable line out ball now. And and I think it just adds into that kind of it's, it's one of those bits that you don't really see much unless he steals it clean and all that kind of stuff you don't really see it. But the amount of disruption that he puts into lineouts, even when he's not stealing, is is massively underestimated. So so yeah, <laughs> the dark arts, the unseen work. <laughs> the things that get you properly rated as players by pundits and coaches alike. Yeah. So was there anybody there that you thought had a bit of an iffy game? Not that we're looking for bad things, but is there anybody there you thought, oof? I mean, I, I, I thought Blacker struggled a little bit, but I, I think that anyone, any number nine would have struggled against that, you know, that monster pack in the first half. And he didn't really have much of an opportunity in the second to put it right, although you know he he was very much part of the only positives coming out or attacking in the first half with you know his quick ball. Who mm. who else? I mean, I I didn't think Sebastian covered himself in glory when he came on. I I, I thought he was a, a little bit soft and a, a little bit reckless in some of the things he was. More reckless as in safety, as in going for balls when, you know, you yeah, clearly know you're offside or you know you're the second man. Yeah. But yeah. other than that, I can't really pinpoint yeah. anyone. I thought Tom Rogers was 
probably trying a bit too hard. To, uh, he's been out for such a long time with injuries. First game back, and you're in the middle of, you know, possibly playing for a contract to stay as a, a professional player. You know, um, so you could see he was trying to make himself busy. He was trying to, he was trying to make an impact in a game, but it just felt like he was trying too hard. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying, but like, it, it is his first game back. Yeah. I think he's wanting to make up for lost time. And realistically, I, I don't see his future at wing. I see him as a fullback. So on on the topic of fullbacks, <laughs> you know, um, McNichol went off really early. And yeah, it looked nasty as well. Look, yeah, it really didn't look healthy at all. I'm hoping it's, you know, nothing major. I don't think anyone is going to hope there is something major. I mean, that'd just be cruel. But, you know, yeah. for someone who is, you know, main target is to play for Wales at the World Cup. And he's been playing incredibly well. And I think he can't be himself unlucky that he hasn't been even involved in any of the last few squads. They're just... Yeah. I, I'm thinking that that dream is gone. I really am just looking at it, looking back at it, and you know, no one really reporting anything yet. So yeah. just just the fact that that hasn't happened is making me thinking he's got to go and see a specialist to really analyze what the damage is. So I I'm not looking hopeful for him, unfortunately. Yeah, it it looked like he twisted his knee or he twisted his ankle or something got caught underneath him and he kind of went over the top and he just. Whichever way you looked at it, it just didn't look nice. But you know, he he walked off the pitch, he hobbled off the pitch, which uh, you know he, he is a a bonus, I suppose. But yeah, yeah, you got feel for the guy because every time he gets close, he he just seems to pick up something that's enough to knock him out of the side for just long enough to to. For somebody else to come in, do you know what I mean? In the Welsh, side. yeah. So, it's. I mean, I know we always say, "Oh, they walked off the pitch." That's brilliant. But I, I've seen boys walk off pitches with broken legs and not realise it. You know, <laughs> and I, I wish I wish I could say I'm you. joking. I, w- <laughs> I really wish I could say I'm joking, but I I've seen boys just you know walk off the pitch, you know, with broken bones and stuff like in their legs or their ankles. Like, right. oh, it's just a niggle. It hurts a little bit, and then oh crap, you know. Yeah. So. It's it's not not a simple case of you know, ah he walked off he'll be fine you know. But <laughs> I I am really hopeful that you know for for all the things that we're saying and all the things that everybody has seen him with him on that that incident on the pitch. I really hope it's just a case of maybe one or two weeks, and you know maybe he can uh, come back for you know if it's nothing he'll be here for the sharks game. Yeah. If it's a little bit more, maybe it can be for the brief game and the potential Bristol or Clermont game. Yeah, it, it give him a magic sponge. That's, that's what he needs. The, the magic sponge solves everything, mate. It's, uh, it is indeed magic. It's, I had the magic sponge once when um, I did something to my finger. And, um, you know, when you, your finger gets pulled back in your sprain and I, and I couldn't close my hand, yeah? So I'm sitting there and I go, I can't grip a ball because I can't close my hand. I've, I've kind of pulled something back and I felt something go ting. 
And my physio at the time, bearing in mind, it's just 25 years ago, my physio at the time dunked the sponge in the bucket, gave me a wash around the face and went, there you go, you're okay. <laughs> it's That's my hand. It's it's my right hand that I've injured. Nothing to do with my face and, and whether my face is clean. It was genuinely, I've damaged my hand. Here you go, splash, give yourself a magic magic sponge. You'll be fine. It's more of that we Wait, need. Wait, that's why it's just a hand closet. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just catch the ball with your left hand. So, we, the, the, I mean, there's no official game to look forward to this week, no uh, league game, but we have got the game against Saracens um, away, which I know I, I've seen a lot of people are um, kind of um, treating as a bit of a, a bit of a fun game, bit of a day trip up the M4. Um, I know I've got friends and family up in London that are looking forward to it. They're going to go and, and watch the game as well because they don't often get to see the Scarlets up there. So um, what, what do you make of this game? Do we do we try and build the momentum? Do we try and keep the momentum going and throw some of the big boys in? Or do we give people a bit of a run out and save them? How, how would you play it? I, I think it's very much a, a 50-50 on both. You know, the, the boys who've had a heavy workload they'll give give them the time off uh but at the same time you know the likes of tom rogers joe roberts johnny williams you know you, you've got to keep them playing you know they haven't had massive amounts of game time and we have to remember that we have literally just had three of the last five weeks off anyway mm. so or these boys should be relatively fresh it's just a chance for the boys with the heavier workloads to maybe drop down a drop down a little bit, maybe, you know, come off the bench for 20, 30 minutes for a run out. I, I'd keep I, I wouldn't want to change more than eight or nine players, if I'm totally honest. So maybe it's just a case of swapping the bench completely out and then having a look at, you know, who who's likely to play a, a part in the run it in the you know the tail end of the season, the last handful of games, and then maybe chuck them into a Mm. I, I'd for me, I'd like to see people like you know Harry O'Connor, but if he if he's fit, I'd like to see him having a run out. Um, certainly Taylor Davis at hooker. Um, you know, we'll talk about some of the second rows. So maybe somebody like Caleb having a, a a run in the second row, or some of the Price boys having a run. I'm just really, I'd, I'd like to see you and Shenton. I would like to see you and Shenton play because he, he he's. He's got a hell of a reputation. Just I just haven't seen him. So it's it's players like that that I think we'd we'd like to see. Well, I would anyway. Yeah, and I completely forgot Griff Evans in the second row as well. He's another one that we picked up early on in the season hmm. that's supposed to have a lot of promise. But yeah, there's there's a lot of boys who could feature. And you know there'd be no issues with them featuring if they did come on because you know we we are a squad. I mean, I I, I just hope that this game isn't used as a sort of last lap game, as in the boys who are not being offered contracts are just told, okay, go have one last run out in the shirt. You know, I, I think that defeats the point of having a friendly. Well, I say it's a friendly; it's going to be a competitive game regardless. In this, you know, this slot, this, you know, this used to be the Anglo Welsh slots. So, you know, it, it is going to be, you know, your 30, 33 man 
match day squad that you travel with, that you train with on the day of the match. They are the ones coming in. So, I, we, you know, we could even see the likes of Lozana come back in because, you know, we, we know what the injury record of our back rows are like. So it, it'd be good to keep everyone on their toes. Yeah. it's Because it, after this game, I don't think we've got a game the following week. We haven't got a friendly or anything like that. And then we're back to the Sharks the week after that, isn't it? And then that Sharks game is our last home game for this season. So, home league game. Home league game, yeah. Sorry, yeah. So I, I wonder when they do the, you know, the the end of season presentation bits, and yeah. it seems too early in the season. Well, you look at Dragons and Cardiff have just played their last home game um, this season. It, it, absolutely yeah. ridiculous. It's, it's it's unreal. I mean, I. I really didn't know that until, you know, I was watching the games and they said that it's the last home league game for them. And I was just thinking, Jesus, we, we played five of the first seven games at home. I, I thought our, you know, our home games were going to dry up a lot sooner than theirs. Hmm. But, you know, um, I, I think Cardiff have got the positive of having a knockout game at home against Sale uh, in a few weeks' time. So they have got the extra home game. From as some of the people I've been talking with, the logical thing is that all levers will be announced before the Sharks. Mm. Whether or not that happens at the minute with the current state, with all the goings on, with the potential mergers and you know more money in the pot if that happens, it's, it's still really up in the air. They, they, I think the clear... I think the main thing that needs to happen is we need or at least the clubs, the, the four regions, they need to know, are they four regions or are they three regions in Elin before they can sort of properly announce who is leaving? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's... Um, I've taken a bit of flack this week on um, on Twitter from Osprey supporters who have who, who've all apologised and, and when I've explained myself. But as a Scarlet supporter, you don't want to see the Ospreys go. You, you want to see them there. You want to see them based in Swansea, and you want to have you want to have that sparring partner that's there constantly. Do you know what I mean? It gives you purpose. It gives you it gives you a constant thing to have a go at. Do you know what I mean? And if if they were based in Ealing, would that rivalry, would that intensity be there? Do you, do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I- I don't know how it would work. I mean, I it probably it'd be a positive thing for Scarlet Cardiff and Dragons um in the grand scheme of things, but as a positive for Welsh rugby, I don't think it would be. Mm. Um some of the things I'm hearing is that it's not going to be Ealing Trail Finders as we know it. Mm. Uh, I'm hearing that this uh Gooley that is uh, you know their their owner. Trail finders are going to stay in the championship as they are, and he's registering a new team, Elin, with the WRU to compete in the URC. That's something that I have, I have heard in confidence from a, a couple of people. Mm. So, you know, we I really don't know what exactly is happening. I've I've been told like why eleven are the drivers of the whole thing, but they've just come out and said no. 
so unless it's fallen through at the last minute, I, I really don't know. Yeah, and and I think the problem with Y11 is they've got a bit of a reputation of, uh, you know, they approached Cardiff originally to merge with Ospreys. They approached Scarlets to merge with Ospreys. Um, who knows who else they've approached to, to merge with Ospreys. But they're certainly the ones that, um, if what we're being told is to be true, they're the ones that are going and saying, we'd like this to happen. And then somebody comes back with a negotiating point and says, actually, we'd like this to happen. And they go, right, okay. And they walk away from it. And I don't think it's helpful for Osprey's fans or Scarlet's fans to be in this position where you, you can never really kind of trust what's what's coming out because they haven't denied it. What they've said is that the talks... Uh, uh, the 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 reports about the the reports about the talks are incorrect. They haven't said that the talks aren't going on. They said that the 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 reports about the the talks are incorrect. So they could be, like you say, discussing so that the um, Ealing set up uh, the Trail Finders set up the London Trail Finders as a company as a sports company. So whether London Trail Finders um, then become part of the URC with Ospreys. And uh, so, you know, they're almost using a bit of semantics to try and throw a bit of smoke in front of, but I think supporters, like, and it, like you say, it affects all of us. Supporters are just a bit fed up with them playing, you know, playing roulette with Welsh rugby and I think we've all had enough of it to be honest but there we go and I, and I doubt many Ospreys fans will be listening to this no well <laughs> in all honesty so I, I've been told every single Osprey fan even the ones in the supporters clubs are being kept in the dark completely they're just basically being fed you know, you, you use use your food and water. We'll we'll see you about our in a in a couple of weeks, okay? Yeah, and and it's not fair on. But imagine if that anyone happened to us. Imagine if they were messing around with us, and and instead of us sitting here talking about rugby, we were talking about whether some finance guy wanted to do this or that. Yeah, you know, it's not. It, it's going to leave supporters with a sour taste in the mouth, whichever way round they go. Anyway, that's that's for Ospreys to sort out, and that's their their business we we will be here next season one way or another so let's we'll move on from that so seems like a um a fairly good point to uh uh have a listen to your chat with alid to be honest because we'll, we'll move down it there's very little in the way of um uh community games there are a couple to discuss but there's some really interesting uh, games last week and we're at that point of the season now where the under 15s start to get a bit tasty the under 16s start to get um, a little bit tasty as well and they're playing towards the, the last game of the season which will be Scarlet East versus Scarlet West so there's a whole load of stuff going on at junior level so let's have a little listen to your conversation with Alid from uh, Tembi and Pembrokeshire under 15s Hello and welcome to this special segment of Westra is Bestra. I am Martin Big M, and today I'm joined with 
by Alid Waters, um, you know, a man who does basically everything in Pembrokeshire when it comes to rugby. So uh, how are you, Alid? Yeah, um, I'm good, thank you, Paul. I'm good, thank you, Paul. You keeping well? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, you know. Nothing uh, nothing keeping me up at night, barring the baby. But, uh, you know, less said about that, the better. Yeah. So... Um, <laughs> already spoken with Lee once this season already and you know you got your fingers in so many pies you know we, we're surprised you got any fingers left and so you know, we'll, we'll touch on a couple of them now and we'll start with uh, with 10B so you know starting the, the season did you have you know many expectations of uh, what you expected the season to go like um if I'm honest, this like for me it was my first, um, my first gig within, um, senior rugby more than anything. So that was a big, a big kind of learning curve from the start. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I've done quite a lot of stuff, like like you said, I've got so many fingers and so many different pies. I've done quite a lot under 18s um, rugby. But to be fair, I've enjoyed every moment. Like I started playing my rugby. Uh, as a kid for Tembe, went right the way through from, I think it was under nines, right the way through to the youth. Um, had a few first team games, um, as well as a few clubs in between. But no, for, for me to go back to my, my childhood club and to start my senior coaching, coaching career, should we say, with my uh, childhood club, just makes my life easier, to be honest. Um, I can't fault how the club to be fair since i've since i came on the last uh, last podcast how the club have taken me in the players taken me in the coaching staff and to be fair i'm, I'm so far i'm enjoying every second of it oh it's good to you um you, you've had a, a very up and down sort of season like you had a, a really good win over kid Welly on the weekend but uh you know you you've won a few more than you've lost but you know i think i was looking through all your results and your biggest loss was by seven points, and your only home loss is to uh, you know top of the table Ponte de Lice, who were undefeated. So you know, you're not a million miles away from competing at the top end. No, we've got. I think it goes to it goes to show the effort the boys and the rest of the staff, as well as uh, coaching staff, as well as the committee, put into the club, um, and to and to what we like try to offer. So it's been. It has been some weeks have been frustrated. Like, don't get me wrong, you'll get some training sessions where you don't get the numbers you need to. But the commitment from most of the boys has been second to none. Um, and then, like you said, massive win on the weekend. Uh, we went up to Kid Whaley, start of the season, uh, 21 nil up. And then we lose the game, I think it was 28 27 or something like that. Um, so, like, if I'm honest, we kind of owed them one. Um, and to be fair to them, they were a great outfit coming down to us on, on the weekend. But it was, compared to the last game, I think it was two weeks ago, we went away to Lucha and we won by 50-odd points to 20-odd. To it was that the same result on Saturday felt even more because we had to we had to go and say some dark places to kind of, to keep them out more than anything. Um, but yeah, every game, every game has been within seven. So we are kind of... You can you can say we're lucky really because we're still picking up that losing bonus point because we've lost within the seven within the seven points which has been a massive help and yeah it's it's we want to compete to the top any team who says they don't want to compete to the top I'm sure is lying and so far so good really yeah so you currently sit in fourth in the table 
the top three again promoted. I, I know there's a couple of teams behind you with some games in hand and they can leapfrog you. But are there any ambitions to go up this season? Are you really targeting that top three spot as, you know, that's your minimum for success this year? I think if if you spoke to John, our head of rugby, he'll he'll say, and we all say in the huddle after the game, we all know what we want. We all know we want to go up. We want to, we want to compete in Division One. Um, but then, like you said, I think we're we're so far. Well, I think Mumbles jumped us in the table by because they beat Carmarthen Athletic on the weekend. So our next game on Saturday is away to Mumbles. Away to Mumbles. Um, so hopefully we can kind of, yeah. Well, go 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 away, get a win from them, and then leapfrog them again. So, yeah, I think we all want to we all want to go up. We we've got everything we can kind of want within within the ground, within the buy-in from from everyone really. But yeah, I think I think if if you asked any player, any any coaching staff in Div Two, they all want to they all want to get a taste of Division One rugby. So I think that's what we are kind of focusing on really. So we all have our fingers crossed and hope that we see Tembi as a Division One team next season. Then, yeah, fingers crossed. And if if it doesn't happen, we have got such a great squad um, within Tembi. We've got um, some great, like say, I call them old heads. I might get a bit of uh, stick for that, but we've got some great like boys who have been there who have done it, and they'll they'll want to keep pushing. Um, so as long as we stick tight as a squad, and with some good youth boys coming forward now. I think some of them start turning in 18 from next from the from this November. So hopefully we can start bringing that pathway in from our youth through the seniors and then hopefully climb from there. Then well, that's good. Sounds like there's some really good things happening in Tembe. So now I'm going to have to start talking to you about the county, you know, Pembrokeshire Schools 15s and uh, the start of the season. You know, it was it was pretty much doom and gloom because I I. It took you a while to pick up that first win, but you know. Besides all that, talk me through the game on Friday night. What what was it? What was it like? <laughs> yeah, it's um, to be fair, it's been it's been a hell of a ride so far. I'll be honest. Um, we so far, like with me being in Tembe, we've had the links of playing in Tembe, so we kind of took because we had the game on the Saturday and not knowing what the weather forecast would have been when I booked the ground, we thought oh, we'll, we'll change the venue. We'll go to Pembroke, new floodlights. Um, not a bad field in fairness. I do enjoy going down there. And then you've got that. Um, I think every team will agree with me. That bottom, if you're looking down the path from the clubhouse, that bottom left hand side. Every team will agree with me. That bottom, if you're looking down the path from the clubhouse, is horrendous. Left hand side, that corner is horrendous. So I think we are. We all arrived. So I think we are. We all arrived. We're going to face it all again. We arrived, and it was just kind of like we arrived, and it was just kind of like we arrived, and it was just kind of like we Make sure we go. Make sure we, we go. We spot. The boys knew the about boys that, knew. Right? but yeah. So yeah, I just I thinking back now, it kind of gives me a bit of a chill, even though it's like so we have we have five. We scored early. We're through uh, uh, one of the boys from Uskell Brogwine. He scored in the corner, and we thought, oh, here we go now. But then, to be fair to the Vale, they kind of turned it on from the start. Then they just went. They they destroyed our our contact area. They were physical in their carries. Um, and their defensive line was just second to none. After we scored, then they kicked it. They, it was a skill that I'd love to be able to coach. But they got into our 22. The 10 cross field kicked in. It was something like you see in TV. Just as the ball was about to go over the dead ball line, they touch it down. And it, yeah, 
to be fair to him, is a hell of a try. But no, we um, to be fair to our boys, the bomb squad come on off the bench and the impact they brought was phenomenal. Um, we put so much pressure in that last, say, 20 minutes. Our nine sniped, I think that kind of gained our momentum. Um, and then our fullback crossed in the corner before... <laughs> Um, before what was it I think it brought that to 15-10 because we missed the conversion um, and then it was within the last minute or so we were camped on their try line penalty advantage penalty advantage and uh, it was we I was on the, one of our boys went off injured so I was on the sideline with him making sure he was fine but we were just still camped on their try line and all of a sudden I was just came on absolutely Washed them yeah. yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't have asked him more. So we crossed the line and then right and then converted to get the win on the whistle. So, yeah, as you can probably tell, it was it was such a roller coaster. It was even hard getting it out from uh, what we expected from the game. Really. I mean, that that's it's it's just amazing feeling when you win with basically the last kick or the last touch of the game. The the emotions just run through the roof. So we're we're looking at now, you know, this this set the the first part of the season, uh, come on, uh, not Carmarthenshire, but Scarlet's based. You know, you had Carmarthen schools, Cardigan, MMAD, and Lechley. You know, things didn't go exactly the plan, but there, and you ended up being drawn into the the bowl side of the draw then for the second part, and you've basically you've just picked up from there and you haven't looked back. I mean, no. What, what, three wins and a loss or a draw was it? Yeah. So when we when we split it off into the Scarlets kind of comp, uh, so we call it the, we'll call it the conference side of the league or the competition. Um, we played Kerrigan on at home in Tenby again. Um, and to be fair to the boys, they were very fresh. They were very like they were pretty much just coming into the environment. So we were giving them so much information to kind of learn, take on. Um, and I can't remember what the score was, but we had a, I think it was near enough towards the last last minute of the game, we had a chance to kick for three and would have won the game by a point. Um, but we give the boys full responsibility. They, If they back themselves on the field, we can't take anything away from them. Um, they then tap and pass, and we knocked it on, lost the game by two points or whatever it was. So we were under the cosh there, but then it was a great learning experience. Um, then we went to, uh, I think it was Mullers Mar then after. Uh, they're, they're a phenomenal outfit. I think we, we spoke on the last podcast and the, everything they've got, everything they do is just phenomenal. Like as a, as a district, like as a, they, as a they, they'd be our role model more than anything. Um, they, they got a phenomenal setup. Uh, so we lost, I can't remember the score that and we lost that one. Then we went up to uh, Hendy to play Slashley. Um, which is always a tough battle against them. But again, we only lost that within the three points. So um, I think we lost that 10-7 um, with the last penalty. It was 7 all, and within the last couple of minutes, they slotted a penalty kick. So, uh, yeah, and then we played Kamalan, so we only lost to them within the seven points. So we are, like, within the Scarlets, the Scarlets teams, we are within each other. We all are, like, kind of top and tailing. Um, but we, it was just, I think, I don't want to say the word inexperience, but I think it's just the freshness to the environment on like, it's a step up from school. It's a step up from club and how fast the game is. But to be fair, going into the bowl, I suppose is kind of worked wonders for us because we, we hosted RGC South at home again in Tenby and um, 
our boys were phenomenal. We won that by like 40 odd points to, I can't remember what the score was for that one, to be fair. And then we went away to the Knoll, which the boys knew that was a historic place to go. Um, you couldn't ask for any better venues, like a, a really like tight, tight old school changing room, um, tough conditions, tough team. Um, and to get a 14-5 win, uh, win up there was massive for us. Um, then the boys went across to Aberavon School. So we played in um, the Talbot Athletic Ground, where our forwards coach, Reese Fawcett, plays his premiership rugby for us for Aberavon. So, um, which we, managed, we got a draw in that one, um, which brought us to 10 all. So, yeah, 10 all draw for that one. And then we just played on the week, uh, the one. So we topped the, we've topped the, the league now. So I think we play Cardiff A in the semis. Well, that should be a, a, a big showdown, you know, coming up against. I, I know they're called Cardiff A, but, you know, they, they, they mix a lot of those boys and they, they're not, uh, they are not just there for the experience. They're there to win. So yeah. it, it's going to be a, a big challenge for you guys. Like I, said, I know you spoke, you, you know, they, they grow them quite big the, the further oh. east you tend to go, oh. the moment you sort of hit. Bridgend, Ronda, you know, the, the size just goes out the window. Like, literally, you know, they can't fit in the room. And <laughs> yeah, I agree. So it, it's not going to be easy, but, you know, one more win and we'll uh, we'll be seeing you on TV and on finals day. And, you know, I yeah, think we're, we're, we're all hopeful that, you know, we, you're not the only ones there. I mean, I, I think Carmarthen have got a chance in the plate. And, you know, if a few results go their way, I think um, Manith Maur might have a chance of squeezing through to the knockouts as well. So, yeah. you know, I, I, as a region, you know, Scarlets are doing pretty well and it's good to see, you know, these premature boys you know, doing well, winning some games, give, getting their uh, confidence up. When you spoke, Willie, you said uh, that this season you started with... Uh, over a hundred boys in your first in one of your first ID sessions, and you've managed to narrow that down to thirty-five. I think you said, which you, you admitted is quite a small squad. Uh, has it stayed like that, or, or have you you expanded a little bit? We we have expanded. Um, so I think we're roughly at the verge of forty-one. So we've brought in six boys. Um, so we we started this initiative down well. Uh, with the WIU school rugby 2020 and it's pretty much to give boys in the same school year um, exposure to rugby um, so it's like kind of a cross field game and we we are very keen on going out into the community at the same time so for example there's a big there's a Paramusha Cup semi-final under 15s this week so I'm going to go along to that myself and um, we picked up a few boys so like say Lewis Davis but unfortunately he got injured uh, he's broken his tib and fib now um, but he got brought into the squad. He was playing exceptionally well for his school and for his club. Um, and then as well as that, we've kind of, with, we're already thinking of next season. So we've got um, some boys in already who are from the year below. So I'm looking at like, you, you, you kind of your main partnership. So we're looking at the hooker. We've got a hooker or two hookers have come in from the year below. I've got a, a 10, a centre, um and I've got a scrum half as well. I think it was coming a year below just to kind of learn the basics. And I think that's why we've done so well this year, because I've done exactly the same last year. 
So I brought so many in from the year below just to kind of give them that exposure. I know that they're kind of up there with some of the best in their age group. And then just to give them that exposure, a bit of game, excuse me, a bit of game time. And then hopefully it reaps the rewards, which so far it has really. So, so you kind of build uh, your core, your spine, you know, for next season already, you're already bringing them boys in. Your preparation is, it's already yeah. underway. And you, yeah. you know, you've, you've still got yeah. a few games left. Yeah. So, the next step of these boys now will be Scarlet 16's West. Yeah. Uh, is that, do they come to you or do you nominate the boys going forward? How, how, how is that working with so you guys? We- We'll sit together as a as a coaching squad and look through everyone, every name we've got on a sheet with a fine tooth comb, um, and we'll like kind of nominate them, nominate the names forward. Then, so when we nominate and send the letters out, they will go to Scarlet's trials, um, and then the Scarlet's will have them for about a four four or five week block before they then cut their squad to who they're happy with. Um, but yeah, so we're pretty pretty confident that we're going to send a fair few boys this year. Uh, just off the just off the cuff of thinking of it, really, but yeah, they'll we'll they'll they'll pretty much have four sessions, and then the scarlet end. That's that's down to them to cut their own squad. So yeah, it, it'll be pretty. It's it's, it's a brutal it's, process. It's a brutal not, brutal. As I said to Lee, um, it's not the end of it's not the end of the pathway for them. If that makes sense, if they don't make it into the into the scarlet West, there's so many options to come in. Whether it's coming here to the college, then participate in the under 18s Welsh Colleges League. So there's so many swings and roundabouts to get into the back into the pathway. So it's never going to be the doors never shut if they if they don't make the first cut. If that makes sense. Yeah, that it's always good to know that you know once you're not in, you know that's that's not the end of you know any potential because you know I, I think everybody knows that people develop you know they, their skills as a rugby player on different levels, the same as we physically mature differently. So, you know, you got some, I, I can remember being in school in year seven and one of the boys was already six foot one. I mean, he didn't grow taller than six foot one, but, you know, you, you come in at year seven and you got someone that big, you're like, oh, Christ, I, uh, I don't fancy tackling you. Like, Yeah, I agree. I agree. There is, so like, you'll get that, but then you'll also get the ones that are like the late developers. And um, we've seen, I've seen it in the past as well. Like you see boys that kind of don't come into the, do a shield pathway, but then they come to me in college, um, and then they push up, push on from there, really. So, yeah. So, I, I've got to bring this up just because it is everywhere in Welsh rugby at the minute. You know, there's a lot of negativity around the WRU and the issues going on with players and contracts. And obviously, you know, I would imagine ninety, if not a hundred percent, of your squad dream of being professional rugby players so as as what's going on in the news as it as it come into training did, did the boys have any views on it or, or are they just completely oblivious to it I, at the moment they're completely oblivious to it really um because we're at that 15 year old 14 year old age bracket especially within the district um we don't have anything they like they, they can't i suppose they can't sign a contract till they're 18 anyway so hopefully by the time like I have nothing to do with do with that, like say avenue of work. But hopefully by the time that these boys we're producing now and they get on the on the pathway, that hopefully that there will be a sustainable future from. But um, 
yeah, for for us, I think we don't we don't really think about stuff like that. If I'm totally honest with you, it's just kind of we just set up day by day. Just all we're focused on more than anything is uh, is, uh, is our semi-final game. Well, I think that's everything I've uh, I've got my little list to talk to you about. So I mean, it's it's been great having you back, and if if you make that final, which you know we're all hoping for. I'm sure we can uh, welcome back a, a championship-winning coach onto the pod. So, yeah, you know, once again, thanks, thanks for coming on, Al. And all the best in the future. And good luck against Cardiff A. No worries all. Thank you for having me anytime. Thank you. So, he comes across really well, doesn't he? Does, uh, how, how did you find your, your chat with him? You know, it, it was really informative. You know, uh, I found... Uh, you know, it was really good, especially considering you spoke to him at the start of the season mm. to see how things have uh, changed. You know, like he said that he was going to start with a small squad. He doesn't know what was going to happen. And to know that they've, you know, expanded and that they'd already start in, you know, preparation for next season already by bringing in younger boys. It's, it's really good to know the setup is working and to know that they're going to have, you know, a good setup, really, for you know years to come. Yeah, and and the thing I like about Alid is he's young. He he's quite. Um, I think he still could be playing. I think he may still be playing, but he, he certainly, in terms of coaches, he, he's a really young coach. So he's still got a connection with the game. He understands what's going on with the game, and and when he's talking to the players. Particularly the younger players, that you you get that feel from it, you know. There's none of the like. If I was talking to a player now, I'd be relating it back to twenty odd years ago. Whereas he was like, you know, last week. This is what happened in a game I was playing in last week, sort of thing. So I think players are really responding to him. I hope that it spreads to the college. I hope that Pembrokeshire College next season can start to rebuild and start to go forward. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that that comes through next year, but fingers crossed. So when is the semi-final game now, isn't it? Under-15 semi-final is when? We haven't had a confirmed date yet, just because there's the, the bowl is you know more or less sorted. I think there's one fixture in the group where it doesn't affect the teams that are going through uh, but I know there's still some more games in the plate. Which, you know, we, we'll uh, mention our side of that a bit later on. So I think they're waiting for the completion of them, which will be this week, and then we should get the announcements uh, in, in the following fortnight, really, and whether or not there's going to be home advantage properly, or if they're going to be neutral venues. Yeah, always an iffy one. Always an iffy. It's it's weird remembering back to my boy playing in it. And my boy was playing in it when, um, literally, when they got to this part of the season and they were in that um, final game. And that final game got called off because it got called off because of the weather. It was meant to be played at Port Talbot. It got called off because of the weather, but all of the lockdown stuff was just starting and there were rumours about this. So it was meant to be played on the Friday night and it was horrendous on the Friday night. And everyone was going. You could you could see it was on the horizon, 
And it was like, well, let's play it Sunday. Let's play it Sunday morning. Play it Sunday afternoon. Let's play it Monday, you know. And, and they couldn't get a pitch and they couldn't get players there. And then by the following Friday, we were in lockdown. <laughs> we were, so the whole thing just stopped. The, the So they never got to the end of the, the um, competition that year. So it's, uh, yeah, strange memories sitting there now going like, it's you know cheering someone on to to go on in the cup and 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 show what you can do and then thinking yeah the the team that we had a couple of years ago was actually really really good as well and it's a shame that those boys didn't have the same kind of end to the season so talk me through what we have got now for the juniors for the rest because this this is this is where you get really good now so who's playing who and when are they playing and what's it for? Okay, well, if we're talking the Dewar Shield side, uh, we as the Scarlets have got two teams left to play the final matches. We've got Hrenechli who are playing away to Merthyr and realistically, Hrenechli have got to win that game. Merthyr are undefeated, I will mention that. And they need to hope that uh, another result goes their way, you know, to even stand a chance of getting through to their semi-finals. Uh, but on the other side, we've got Carmarthen, who are at home to Swansea Valley, in a winner-takes-all clash in their side of the plate. They've both already qualified for the knockouts. This is, you know, who is getting top seed. So you know, it's, it's going to be a very interesting game that one, and they're both scheduled for this Friday, 10th of March. So, who do they play against then? If it, is it East and West? So, if uh, if Pembrokeshire win this one, do they play somebody from Cardiff? Uh, uh, Pembrokeshire will be playing Cardiff A. And let me... I, I'm going to have to dig into my files by you to find out uh, what exactly... This is proper Stato oh, yeah. stuff now, Mark. This is this is next level Stato stuff. This is this this, this is me using someone else's database to really find things out <laughs> and claiming it's my own. You know that's 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 a sort of sado I am at the minute. But um, the the way it's looking, it's going to be, you know, come on, they win. They probably at home to Cuttingham Valley. They lose, they're probably travelling to Merthyr, but this is all, you know, dependent on the results from this Friday. And, you know, if, if we somehow get a miracle and Llenefli get through and Carmarthen finish top, then we could be seeing a Carmarthen Llenefli semi-final. It's highly unlikely, but it's still probable. And, and knowing the WIU, that'll probably be played on a neutral ground in Bridgend. So... <laughs> In in, in Bridgend, it'll be well, a bomb up, isn't it? to be in, in Gloucester. But, um, yeah. Okay, so we've got plenty to look forward to there. So tonight, this should have been um, the under-16s East and West games, shouldn't they? So who who should they have been yeah. playing this evening? Who should they have been playing? Oh, now I'm going into my database to find this. <laughs> uh, Scarlet's West should have been at home to Osprey's West. And Scarlet's East should have been in Astrid Manach to face Dragon's Red. But we've had some beautiful weather. Unfortunately, it's not rugby weather. 
uh, and you know those games have been called. What an absolute load of rubbish! Not right. There was a bit of snow on the ground this morning. It is absolutely clear as a bell in Pembrokeshire this evening, and it it was always going to be. It's it's. I mean, would you like to play on a Strudmanach surface that's been snowed on constantly? Astrid Munnock is a bloody freezer at the best of times, but certainly um, Haywood Lane, you know, Tembe, um, yeah. I, I played a cup final once in Narbeth, and it had been cancelled, it had been uh, postponed a couple of times, and they said, if we can't play it tonight, it's that's it, well, they, they, there's no other option to play it. So we played it, and it was frozen solid. The pitch was absolutely frozen solid and everybody watching was frozen and the players were frozen and I, I made a I, rem, I this is how painful it was I remember it, it must have been under 15s under 16s or whatever I, I broke through from the, the 22, we had a scrum on the 22 I went straight through the outside half, picked up the, the full back, took him over with me and a couple of wingers and left them for dead and I had a 5 metre run for the line and then I dived for the line and the pitch was frozen solid. And I shredded basically everything from my knees to, to the bottom of my shorts. Absolutely. Fr- because it was so cold, didn't feel a thing. Didn't There was nothing, there was no feeling there. And then having a shower after, started warming up. Oh. And then in the shower, my legs started bleeding. <laughs> So there was a little bit of snow on the ground. Come on. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I think the worst I've had is in the field boxing day charity matches, you know, with, with boys who just turn up at the rugby club for a drink. And I I, I think it was one, and it, it must have been snowing for about a week. It was uh, Penny Greig, RFC. And if you've ever been there, you'll, you'll know how open it is. So you'll know how cold it can get. And it, it was playing on concrete. It was so much fun, you know, hurting each other, you know, j- just for a laugh. <laughs> but uh, I, I can't remember even holding the ball or tackling someone with the ball. But I tackled about 30 people that day. <laughs> Kids today uh, were making them soft. <laughs> anyway, so that's um, 15s and 16s. Who else have we got to talk about in a community game or a junior game, mate? Well, um, we've we've got the results from last week's under-18s, the youth, you know, uh, cup, plate and bowl that we spoke about. And, um, and unfortunately, we had three losses, but we've had one win. Mm-hmm. Um, Narbeth lost the way to Gosaina in 1917. Cremech away to Bargoid, lost 28-19. And Wickland lost the way to Mumbles, 26-19. But the one team to win in the bowl away to Dochlechai, so all the way up in North Wales, was tiny little Langham. Mm. So the smaller, basically the smallest rugby club in Wales, that's what I'm going to call them, <laughs> they picked the youth team up, not just for the season, but they've taken them on a cup run. They then took them all the way up to North Wales and, you know, they've come away with a win. They're now going into the semis and they, they'll they be facing one of Brinkhoch, Caffili or Mumbles. So it, it, it's just amazing 
you know, to be part of that Langham youth setup, just to know what they've done, just to have a youth side is amazing. But to be able to go on a sort of run like this and then to take the boys to North Wales, it's not cheap. You know, we're talking under 18, so we are talking the parents are subsidising all of this. So, you know, a lot of credit has to go to them for this. Mm. Uh, I, I'd love to be, you know, an under 18 in an asset up right now, just just to feel what it's like. It must be amazing. Mm. And what I hope happens is those boys stay with Langham after under 18s. Because, uh, like I said before, the the Langham youth team is basically a, a, a mash of quite a few other players from other teams that have kind of, as other teams have folded and they've been the last one standing sort of a thing. So, um, yeah, I hope they kind of repay the, repay the club and the people that have supported them. Um, at least for a couple of seasons by staying with them until they make it into the senior team rather than going back to the club that they came from. Just, you know, it's not going to kill you. It'll it'll be a massive boost for Langham to have some of those youth boys come through into the senior team and, and it'll just have a really good kind of rollerball effect then for, for the next couple of seasons. So, yeah, fair play to them. There's a, there's a young player of mine who's in there that deserves a, a, a big shout out, and that's uh, Yayan, Yayan Gray, who um, had it, the, the guy is one of the most talented players that I think I've seen. It's just natural ability, um, strong runner, aggressive, really, really aggressive, stroppy as hell, doesn't like being told that he's wrong um, ever. <laughs> but, um, you know, the passion that the guy's got for the game is, is absolutely immense. And then he went through a really serious illness when he was 14, 13, 14, maybe, something like that. Um, and, and he's come out the other end of it now. So he's he's he, he's still got um, uh, uh, the condition and anyone that knows him will, will, will know what it is and what have you. But for him to still be on the pitch and still playing um, it, it is an absolute credit to him because the, the guys are good. If he'd have stayed fit, he would be... Uh, yeah, we'd be talking about him at Scarlet 18s without a shadow of a doubt. Um, so he he was that level of player. So the fact that he's even back on a pitch uh, now is, uh, you know, an absolute credit to him. So big shout out to Ian and all the other boys there. But he's uh, he's the one I always look for when Langham are playing. So and he will stay with Langham. He's a Langham boy. So he will. He only came to Pembroke to play. Uh, for me, so he'll go back to Langham now, and he he will stay in Langham. So, yeah. Anyway, who's next? <laughs> okay, I think we're on to we're on to proper seniors now. And uh, have we done results for this week already, or are we going to run through them? I can't even remember who was playing last week because there were teams that were popping up on Friday, going, "We got a game tomorrow," and I didn't know if it was a rearranged game or if it was a friendly or whatever. So, who did we have yeah. last week? Well, it was a full round of fixtures last week. Um, I was a week in before, the champ- week before. I'm thinking of yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long season. Oh. God, yeah, it, it has. These four weeks are, uh, you know, fallow weeks are not very good for us. No, no. no so um, we, we'll start at the top as we always do. A championship Narbath at home to Neath. 
you know, neither of us expected, you know, Narbeth to come away with anything. And, you know, they, they put up a good fight, 29-15 losses, very respectable against Neath. Mm. So, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that sort of result, especially, you know, considering that they are, you know, them and Pontypool are, by and large, miles above everybody else. They're more or less fully funded semi-professional teams. And I'm sure at one point, Narbeth were either right in it or they were a couple of points behind. Um, and Neath were getting a little bit kind of scared. They were getting a little bit nervous as to what was happening. But... Um, I was trying to see if I can find there. No, I can't find it on there. It definitely run about the halfway mark. Um, Narbeth were more than in that game. So there's a lot of positives there to take forward. A lot of positives. And yeah, an- another positive for Narbeth, they, they don't have a week off. So um, they, they're back in action this week, a, a rearranged fixture. They're travelling to Astrid Ronda to uh, play down there. And, you know, that's that's going to be a really interesting game because Astrid have really picked up this season, you know, since that, I think it was the opening round that game was. Mm. And, you know, Narbeth won 16-3, you know, fairly comfortable win. But, you know, Astrid are now above them in the table. They've got more wins than them. So it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, where this match goes. I'm going to back Narbeth all the way because yeah. that's what you've got to do. But it is going to be a, a brilliant match to be involved in because I think these two teams at this point in the season are neck and neck. They are so close to each other. Mm. And it's it's good to have that kind of game at this point of the season. Um, I, I've never liked basement battles and, and I don't like being mid-table and, and not having anything to fight for sort of a thing. So being kind of mid-table but within touching distance you know there is something to fight for is uh these are the games that you actually want to play in at this point of the season so yeah that's a Narbeth win for me as well mate so that's championship Narbeth sorted so we're down into the division one west you know uh, like I said full round of fixtures so you know Avaris with we're at home to Vellinvall and you know they've taken a bit of a thump in your Vellinvall won 30 points to eight no, that that was quite a shock for me. I thought it would be a lot closer. Uh, Krimich uh, won 12 points to 10 at home to Gowerton. You know, another tight game at the top end of the table for Krimich, you know, keeping their undefeated run going, which is brilliant for them. Uh, Pembroke travelled to Pencloud, and, you know, they, they, they took a bit of a thump in themselves, you know, 55 yeah. points to 25. You know, Pembroke just really can't catch a break. You know, at the minute, and the uh, last game that was played, Whitland at home to Hendy, and you know, they Whitland have you know picked up another win, which is always good for them. Thirty-four points to twelve. Mm. Uh, and like you say, Pembroke, just no matter what they do at the minute, is um, it's just a hammer and a half every week, and it, uh, and it's really just disheartening for the boys. Really, really disheartening. But yeah. there we go. There's only uh, only one game in uh, One West that we are concerned with this week, and it is a Thursday night game. So, you know, that's interesting enough in itself. Whitland are travelling to Gowerton, and uh, I-, I can't see anything other than a Gowerton win. Yeah, I mean, you would have thought so, particularly up there, boys leaving after work. Um, yeah. And I think even on a Saturday with the best will in the world, 
that's still a Gowerton win uh, and a comfortable one. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, we, we're now dropping into two west and uh, Nankaredig, uh, 20 points to nil, winners over Fishguard. You know, I, I actually backed Fishguard to go and do one. You know, so to be pointless, it kind of shames me a bit. So I'm 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 a little bit upset at that. Uh, Milford travelled to Ponta de Lice, You know, forty-eight seventeen win for Ponta de Lice. It it was always going to be that way. And the big game, um, we've already heard about it in my conversation with Alid, is Tembe's twenty-three points to seventeen win over Kidwelly, and you know, brilliant game massive massive advert for the community game you know and it, it, it's just another one of those you know niggling games where you know whoever loses is going to lose a bit of a, a run in on the promotion shape on the promotion spots mm-hmm. and you know Tembe have come out of it on top this time so you know just just brilliant for the Pembrokeshire side of things yeah and didn't they win um as I remember, the the game earlier in the season was a really close one as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was a one point game early in Kidwelly early in the season. Yeah, so that that puts Tembe within touching distance of uh, yeah, they're, they're literally one point away from promotion, but Tembe played all of the games. They got forty. That's why I can't believe that the the game on their pitch tonight was called off because their pitch just doesn't suffer. At all, um, so they played fourteen games. Kidwelly ten. So Kidwelly, you've got four games in hand on them, and there's only six points difference. I know it's good to get, you know, that win against them, but yeah, it, it's it's it really is fingers crossed now between now and the end of the season for Tembe. Um, everything else needs to go their way, sort of a thing. So yeah. And the only game again that we're concerned with in two west this week is Fishguard at home to Mumbles. And you know, uh earlier fixture in the season, Fishguard won 34-12 down in Mumbles. So I, I'm expecting pretty much the same and a, a good Fishguard win. Yeah, I think we... <laughs> it, it, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard. I think Fishguard are struggling at the minute in terms of Keeping the squad together and keeping players fit and what have you, but yeah, let's go for a let's go for a fish guard win just because you know why not? Let's... You can't just stay positive <laughs> for more than thirty seconds, you know. I mean, oh no, I just <laughs> say it's it's one of those things that fish guard. We knew fish guard were going to struggle with squad size through the season, and as soon as they start picking up a couple of injuries, it really hammers them. So. Fingers crossed they can keep enough players fit for the rest of the season. Um, and and they will have a good running. They will have a good running because they got some decent players. they just got to keep them fit. That's all. Uh, now our final bit of the community game, uh, Division 3 West A. Uh, Cardigan at home to Aberaeron. Aberaeron run out 18-15 winners. So, you know, really close game. Uh, Haverford West, 32-7 over Nayland. Now, Pretty much expected, but you know, it's still a solid win. Uh, Lampeter carrying on their impressive form with a, a 20 points to nil victory over Pembroke Dock. And you know, uh, our two favorite teams I, I haven't seen what colors they played in, but uh, St. David's ran out 25 14 points winners over Langham in Langham. 
And the last game that was played in this in this division was St. Clair's at home to Tregaran, and it was 95 points to nil. So, you know, it, that must have been a hard game for both teams in the end. Yeah, I mean, I know it's it, it looks great on paper and all of that kind of stuff, but does anyone really benefit from that? You know, did the Sinclair's no, benefit from putting 95 points on anyone? Did they learn anything at all in the second half? No. You know, I mean, if, if it was a youth game or, you know, a, a little bit younger, you'd be like, okay, let, let's ask the players, do, do, do they really want to continue playing? But at this level, you know, your seniors, I, I know you want to play the game, but as soon as that gets past sort of, you know, 50, 60 points and you still got half hour left, surely you're like, okay, let's just knock it on the head. You know, neither of us want to, you know, yeah. want to carry this on. Yeah. Um, but fair play, it, you know, St. Clair's stuck at it. They, they put 95 points on, so I, I'm, I'm betting they'd be a bit annoyed, actually, that, they didn't make three figures, so you know. Yeah, that's the only thing to take out from that game. Yeah. The Sinclairs didn't get their one hundred. They yeah. missed this century. How dare they? Well, I'll be honest. I I've been in a game where, you know, I I, I was young and I was uh, quite uh, uh, aggressive as a player, and we were forty odd, forty five points up at half time. And I was absolutely. There was a couple of the older boys in the side that were like, you know, all right, we'll we'll make some early substitutions. And I was like, now nah, we're we're putting a ton on them, end of, and you know, um, and yeah, it's it's something that lives in the memory that of what we did and how we did it. Um, but it's yeah, I'm not really sure. Did I benefit as a player for doing that? Um, I, I know the opposition, to be fair, the opposition that we were playing against um, when we got to 95 points, because uh, we won 102, 102 points is, is what we ended up with. When we got to 95, they spent five minutes camped on our line. Um, so there was a bit of bite in them, but we intercepted and we, we ran away and then we put it over the line and that was the end of the game. So, you know, it is one of those games... I, I'm still not sure that anybody benefits from, but you know, you've got to do it. That's the way it is. So, and, you know, I've listened to all your stories and I, I find it increasingly concerning. You're only talking about the happy ones when you were on the winning side. There was that, that happened a lot, that's why. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're substituting yourself for someone else on a different team. That's why I, I haven't got many Tembi stories. <laughs> We got, oh, we got, oh, you're gonna regret that. We got stuffed when I was at Tembi, but there we go. Um, anyway, next, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, only one game to talk about in uh, Three West Day this week, and it's uh, Aberaeron at home to St. David's. Uh, I, I gotta say, in Aberaeron, when you know, I, I hope St. David's you know, do pull a number on them, but I, I just can't see it happening. Well, that's been played on Friday night, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, would you want to travel up to Rabaraybon at half seven on a Friday night? That's a that's a tough one. I'd rather play it on a Sunday, wouldn't you? Rather Friday night or, or Sunday? Um, it depends what my plans on the Saturday were. You know, if, if, 
if I'm going back to my playing days, you know, I I would be having a few bevies on a Saturday. Yeah, so, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, that's a tough one for Saint David. So yeah, I'll go Aberdeen run on that one as well. Yeah. And that is it, my friend. We have completed Big M's fixture schedule for the week. <laughs> cool. Fantastic. Right. And I don't think we've got anything else to discuss. Oh, yeah, we've got the Wales game. Oh, knickers. Oh, I thought we were going to get away with that then. I could have just finished it there, mate, and we could have been done. No, we could have we gone and had a cup of tea. Thoughts on the Wales game quickly then? Uh... Tumping, uh, no, not tumping. Uh, I, I can, I can see a loss, another loss coming away. Um, I really not sure what sort of side he's going to put out now. Uh, I think you know he, he's going to persist with Hawkins and Grady in the centre, which you know it's not not my personal opinion, but obviously I'm not the person in the hot seat. So uh, you know we'll we'll just see how that goes. I, I think it's going to be a, a very open attacking game from Italy. I think we're going to kick a lot of ball yet again and get absolutely no way without kick chase. Mm. So, you know, it's going to be drab from us, but exciting from Italy. And I, I, I'm going to back Italy to go for it. Yeah, I, I'm thinking we're probably likely to play a very defensive game. It's going to be defence orientated. Like you say, it'll be kick them to the corners, try and move them around, try and tire them out and just defend like hell. Um but I don't think that that game works anymore. People have worked that game out, and they've, you know, you 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 just run two deep pullbacks, and you run the outside of a of a blitz defence. You and there's no real, real way of stopping that. If you're running a blitz defence, you have to then blitz and drift in order to get outside. You just well, no, either I drift or I blitz. I, you, you know, um. So yeah, I think if we are going to play that kicking game, which I'm the same as you, I'm, that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting tight, big, heavy runners. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see George North come back in um, on the wing. I, I really wouldn't. I, 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 if he puts Zamet to full back and puts North on the wing just so we can use him as an extra crash ball off 10, um, I think it's going to be that kind of game. Just batter, batter, batter. And then Italy will turn the ball over and run it back, and we then all end up cheering for Italy because they're playing the more exciting rugby. It Welcome to is Wales, what it is, people. sadly. Yeah, you know, I mean, there was some positive news to come out of the WRU this week. I mean, they they've announced twenty five full time professional contracts for the women ongoing for the next couple of years. So, I mean, that that's a positive, I suppose. Yeah, and we've got women's Six Nations to come after this. They've announced a squad for the women's Six Nations. Um, and I, I think a lot of people are like me uh, over the last couple of seasons. Like, look, I'll kind of watch it. I watched the highlights, then I watched a couple of games. I'm still not necessarily 100% with who's who and what their abilities and all of that kind of stuff are. So yeah. it's going to be... I, I think- I think the main issue with that is we haven't got a, a proper you know, domestic scene for these international players in Wales. They're all playing in England. And yeah. I, I know we got a couple of games on TV, but it, it's just not enough. You know, I, I think we need to get a one one side to start. You know, I'm not even saying full-time professionals to start or even semi-professional, just to get a team over into the Premier 15s and to build from there. 
just so you know, even if it's on Espedwerek every other week, just so people can watch on a regular basis and get a regular fan base. Yeah, and I think that's what we'll we'll try and use the women's Six Nations this year to expand our knowledge of the women's game to help others expand their knowledge and hopefully like you say we can see more girls playing back in Wales in more of a uh more of a professional team based sort of activity in Wales i i think the the, the problem they have now is if you if you put a, a women's game in Wales and you only run two professional women's teams in Wales who were they aligned to with the men's side of the game and it throws up too many issues from that sort of a thing. And it shouldn't, but I think that's what it is. I would not yeah, be surprised. I, I 100% agree it's going to be issues there, but I think the women's game should just stand on its own. It, yeah. it, doesn't have to, it doesn't have to carry over all these issues from the men's game. It doesn't have to have all this you know, pettiness that we've experienced for years and years. It can be a really positive thing. And for Lee, he can see maybe a future player on my shoulder right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Looks like a winger to me. <laughs> yeah, either a winger or a scrum arse. She's a, a very slight girl considering who her father is. <laughs> is she chopsy, though? Has she got a bit oh, of chopsy? Yes. Yeah, oh, yes. She's got a then. massive mouth on her. Scrum arse, then. That's, that's where the chopsy ones go. Scrum arse every time. <laughs> Mart, I think we're done, my friend. I think we've covered all the bases this week. Um, I can't see us having anything positive to talk about for, for next week, but you know, fingers crossed. Who knows? We'll we'll talk about the Wales Italy game, and maybe look forward to brighter days ahead. Oh yes, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah, we we may get a chance to watch some of the Saracens and Scarlets, so there yeah. might be a lot of positives to talk about with it. Yeah, if we actually see it on telly anyway. It should be on the, the recast thing. That was the whole point of it at the start of the season, but I've not seen anything advertised on it at all. But we shall, uh, as soon as we know, we'll put something on our social media pages and uh, let everyone know. And we're done, mate. We're done. We're done. Another week over. Another week so, you done, know, it's, you know, Like I said, broke my interview chair here. And now, now I've got a side commentator, you know. Uh, <laughs> just, just mumbling. She's half asleep. It's brilliant. No. You know, it's nine o'clock at night, and I got my five-year-old trying to, you know, jump into, jump into bed. Jump into me. Well, <laughs> okay, one second. Yeah. So right. th- that we've wrapped up everything. We've covered all our bases. So once again, it was it was great talking with you, mate. And I look forward to doing it again next week. All right, mate. I shall speak to you then. All the best, mate. Ta-da. All the best. You too. Try that. Ta-da, mate. You have been listening to the Westerer is Bestera podcast from the Scarlet Supporters PEMS team. You can follow us on Twitter on Scarlet PEMS. Find us on Facebook with Scarlet Supporters Pembrokeshire or email us on scarletspems at gmail.com. And remember, West is best, but Westerer is besterer. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.